all of us have a story about how we got into the horror genre and eventually fell into the fold we now collectively call the Mutant Fam or Drive-In Mutants, an endearing moniker given to us by horror host icon Joe Bob Briggs. For some of us, the horror films may bring back memories of quality time with the parent or parents who introduced us to the genre. It was your time huddled up on the couch with them, watching an old Hammer film or Universal classic, Night of the Living Dead, maybe catching a matinee at the local theater, or binging movie rentals bought home for the weekend. For others, like myself, who discovered the genre on their own, either by accident or fate, it was likely a godsend, as it gave us a place to escape whenever the world felt just a little too much. Who knows why the genre has this effect, but it does. Just ask any fan. Wes Craven had an interesting take on it, saying horror films were like a boot camp for the psych. In real life, human beings are packaged in the flimsiest of packages, threatened by real and sometimes horrifying dangers, events like Columbine. But the narrative form puts these fears into a manageable series of events. It gives us a way of thinking rationally about our fears. He's right. There is a certain therapeutic quality about it. For me, the original Dawn of the Dead was, and still is, medicinal, as is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 or Exorcist 3. I'm sure psychologists could wax on endlessly on the reasons these films are like comfort food to us, but I prefer to think it's something a bit more ethereal rather than clinical, mystical even. And it begs the question, did we choose the darkness, or did the darkness choose us? If any of this sounds familiar, it's because, as I've discovered, this is pretty much the collective origin story for just about all of us. At some point, through whatever means, the genre became our touchstone, our place to hang out, our thing, ours. Before the world became connected via the internet, being a horror fan often felt like a lonely yet exhilarating existence. A genre reviled by many for its disturbing content throughout the years, we gladly embraced it, found beauty in its graphic imagery and solace in its unsettling narratives. And of course, there was the music. I'll spare you the stereotypical school outcast autobiography as from what I gather in my years spent in horror forums. I would say well over half of you know it from personal experience. While our classmates were at parties and school dances, we were home watching our stack of video rentals. If you were raised by baby boomers, chances are you spent a lot of time at home alone, as we were the first generation of latchkey kids. The VCR was our babysitter. And honestly, we were fine with it. While we may have been alone, we never felt lonely with the genre as our co-pilot. But if there was no one to share the experience with, that's what often made it feel like a solitary exercise. The only time any of us felt a connection to the other horror fans was in pages of magazines like Fangoria or Cine Fantastique, the editorials and articles speaking directly to us, the die-hard fans. Through the pages of the magazine, we knew we were part of a club, maybe even a secret one, existing underground, below the mainstream radar. We felt kind of special. One can cite horror conventions as another place where horror fans could mingle with their passionate horde, but let's face it, for the obvious reasons of infrastructure and profitability, conventions stick to major cities or within a reasonable driving distance of one. The Weekend of Horrors was never going to Grants Pass, Oregon or Shamrock, Texas.
Movie theaters is another place we could find our people, but unless you went with a friend who was also interested in the genre, the experience was still a solitary one when all was said and done as you and the audience went your separate ways once the lights came up. So the other time we could join in a communal event was when we were watching the likes of Elvira's movie Macabre or Commander USA's groovy movies, Monster Vision, the horror host format. While there were solo viewing experiences, you could feel the collective energy of the nameless, faceless fellow fans watching right along with you. They could have been next door, hundreds of miles away, thousands of miles away. And while you didn't know them, you knew them. And it was comforting to know they were there, that you weren't alone. As time marched on and viewing habits changed programming demands, one by one the horror host disappeared from the landscape. It kind of snuck up on us. As we grew older and started college, jobs, families, we turned around one day and realized they were gone. And the sense of loss was profound. That communal moment, that sense of belonging to a collective of passionate souls engaging in the same activity at the same time was severed. We didn't know how good we had it until they were gone. Sure, there were a handful of local hosts still fighting the good fight, but without syndication, they lacked the reach of a wide viewing audience, and soon they also faded into the fabric of television history. Once the internet hit, one could visit online forums for a sense of community, but often those forums could be like the Wild West and filled with toxicity without proper moderation. This is what has been refreshing about the rise of the mutant fam and the driving mutants on social media. That toxicity can either be blocked or the mutant fan collective drowns those voices out. The message of your trolling is not welcome here delivered loud and clear. The horror host void has now been filled by the last drive-in, and the mutant fam, drive-in mutants, and the last drive-in hashtags are filled with overwhelming positive energy. Social media takes a lot of well-deserved heat, but it has also enhanced our shared viewing experience and taken it to new levels of community interaction, as we all post along during the live streams. No matter what walk of life you come from, if you're a drive-in mutant, you are welcome. It's also brought back event television. Instead of dropping all the episodes at once, the dedicated release schedule makes Friday nights worth looking forward to. And when each episode is over, we all look forward to the next week, when we, the Mutant Fam, can join and share the experience all over again. And with the announcement of Elvira's return for a 40th anniversary special coming up, one can hope this is actually a trial balloon to see if there's interest in seeing her return with a regular series. Spoiler... There is. While her attempt at a return a few years ago didn't take hold, I know a lot of horror fans didn't even know about the new show, signaling a deeply flawed promotion campaign and even more flawed distribution model, with some areas of the country not even having access to it. With streaming, everyone knows where to go this time to see the reigning Mistress of the Dark. However, the greatest danger to the icons of our past returning to the now is probably our expectations innocently laced with unattainable desires. Those shows existed in a particular time and place, a landscape ripe for such a thing to exist, and our memories of them are through the prism of youth influenced by whatever we were going through at that particular moment. For me, ironically, the more adversity I was under, the more I appreciated the escapism they provided. 
If you go into the viewing experience expecting to feel all the same things you did then, you're likely to come away disappointed because you aren't the same person you were then, and you shouldn't be. Ideally, you should have evolved over the years and understand that time marches on. The things of our youth, while formative to who we are today, can never exist again in that time and space. You can only see Jaws or A Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time once in your life, and that moment can never, ever be repeated. The closest we can come is sharing these things with our offspring and feel their energy as they experience them for the first time. But it shouldn't be done within the frame of nostalgic obsession. This push for our children to be obsessed with the things of our youth is odd, to be frank. It's really no different than the obsessive sports parent reliving their glory days through their child. For me, I've continued my interest in things I've always enjoyed, and when my children show curiosity, I engage and I invite. For years, my son would catch me watching the low-quality videos of Monster Vision on YouTube before they began to get taken down. But when the initial 24-hour last drive-in marathon aired, he got to experience it himself firsthand. But in its appropriate time and space. His time and space. He didn't get Monster Vision. He and my daughter, who's now old enough to enjoy the show, got something they can claim as their own. They got the last drive-in. Something familiar to me, but different. They're not getting Dad's show. They're getting their own, just as we did. In the end, it's the spirit of the movie host format that lives on now, passed on to a new generation. More importantly, they're getting the concept that no matter what walk of life you've come from, no matter what beliefs you hold, we can still find common ground and come together as a community, a sense of being connected through a shared human experience. A lesson we need now more than ever.